Welcome to the podcast of Maranatha Ministries. I'm Rick Frank, Senior Pastor of Maranatha, and I pray you'll be blessed by today's message. You can access all of our church information by going to our website at www.mmchurch.com or on all social media by searching at mmchurch. And now be blessed by listening to today's message. I'd like to uh, turn in our Bibles this morning. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 13, and I'm going to read just one verse of Scripture, verse number 44, where the Bible says here again, "...the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has." and buys that field. So let me just make sure everyone understands what we're talking about today. The kingdom of heaven, the Bible says, it's like a field. And in that field, there is a, a jewel, a treasure hidden in there. And because this man wants that treasure, he goes out and he sells everything he has. And he purchases that field for the express purpose of getting that treasure. Amen? So today I want to talk to you about this that I have entitled as my Easter message this year, You Have to Buy the Entire Field. Let's pray together, shall we? Jesus, we love you and we thank you for your goodness and your blessings. You are so great and greatly to be praised. And I thank you so much for all of the beautiful music that we heard today, the beautiful worship, the praise, this children's choir that just did a phenomenal job. We pray now, God, that you will touch my lips and anoint my tongue Because more than anything today, we want to hear what thus saith the Spirit of the Lord to the church. And so speak to us through through these lips and through this tongue. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. Amen. Let's clap our hands one more time for Jesus, shall we? I do uh, just want to take a moment and thank uh, and welcome all of our visitors and thank you for coming. It's so good to have you today and it's it's our privilege and honor and we hope that you're blessed. And if you have any questions or concerns, please don't hesitate to ask any one of us because any one of us would be glad to answer any questions. And trust me, if we don't know the answer, we'll find someone that does. Amen? God is good, isn't He? I want to look at this verse of Scripture from two different angles today and and explain a couple of things to us. And the first angle is the more traditional approach that we take, that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hidden for joy, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys the field. And we oftentimes talk about this as that jewel being being, uh, Jesus himself, being the kingdom of heaven. It's a treasure that's hidden in a field. Uh, but in order to get the treasure, we got to take the whole field. You got to buy the whole field. And that's where a lot of people stumble. And they have a difficult time because they have to buy the whole, f- whole field. We're living in a generation at a time when statistics tell us that traditional church attendance is dwindling. It's dwindling, it's going down. Uh, if you dig into those statistics, you will find that people my age, Uh, older generations, the church attendance levels are about the same as they've always been, but the younger generation and the millennials and the Generation X, their church attendance is dropping uh, compared to what it was in years gone by. And I found that very interesting, and I did some research. I don't know if any of you know a man called Simon Sinek. 
Simon Sinek, I I'm, I'm, trust I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. He is a uh, professor at Columbia University. He's an author, he's a motivational speaker, and he speaks a great deal about this phenomena, not necessarily about church attendance, but this phenomena of the mindset of our millennials and our younger people, our younger generation. And I think that this mindset can be carried over into all generations. And so let me just tell you some of the things that he says here. He says, number one, millennials are not happy. They're not happy. He said, and that's because too many of them have grown up with failed parenting strategies. They're not happy because they had failed parenting strategies. He goes on to say that they were told that they were special, and they were special all the time. There's nothing wrong with feeling like you're special, right? Unless you think you're special. We don't always like people who think they're special, now do we, when it comes right down to it? What, do you think you're special? They were told that they could have anything they want in life. These sound like good things. You can have anything you want in life if you want it bad enough. Huh? He says some of them got into honors classes, not because they deserved it, but because their parents complained and got them into the honor class. He said that some of them got A's, not because they deserved an A, but because the teacher didn't want to deal with the parents. He says uh, some kids got participation medals. They got medals for coming in last place. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you millennials say, yeah, I got one of those. He said, but the problem is the science is very clear. The medal for coming in last place devalues the medals of those who really worked hard and actually achieved it. And he said, and the person coming in last actually feels embarrassed because they know in their heart they didn't deserve it. And so it makes them actually feel worse than to feel better, which is the goal. I'm saying all this because I'm going to get somewhere as to what the problem is when it comes to serving God. He said, I'm still quoting uh, Simon Sinek, you take this group of people and they graduate school and they get a job and they're thrust into the real world and in an instant they find out that they're not special at all. Their moms can't get them a promotion. And you get nothing for coming in last place. That's the real world. And you can't just have it because you want it. You can have anything you want? Maybe, maybe not. I got, there's a few things I'd like to have I never could get. I'll tell you one, this is just a personal story now, and I thank God for this all the time. I thank God there are some of my prayers He did not answer. Come on now. I had prayed for some things that in hindsight, if He had given them to me, I might have lost my soul. So you can't just have anything you want. It's got to be according to the Lord's will. But he said they find out that they're not special. They can't get the promotion from their mom. Uh, They don't get anything for coming in last. You can't have whatever you want. He said in an instant, their entire self-image is shattered. I believe we're living in a world where people's self-image has been shattered. 
He said you end up with an entire generation who has lower self-esteem than previous generations. Now, who would ever think that the millennials who think in our world today that they have all the answers really have a very low self-esteem? Who would think that? You would never would think it. And there's a reason you would never think it. And he goes on to say, he said, because the other problem is that to compound the issue, we are been, they have been raised and grown up in a Facebook, Instagram world where putting a good filter on things is what we strive to do, and we present an image that is not a true image, and what we end up doing is we have an entire generation who professes to be very happy when in truth they are extremely depressed. Hey, God help us. He talks about social media, and I have seen this with my own eyes, and I pray that you'll work against letting this happen. He says social media is like a dopamine effect. Dopamine is the same effect you get from drinking, from drugs. He said it has that same effect on our young people and our older people if you start doing it. He said, and what we do, in fact, I think our uh, brother Seth Simmons, who was here for our youth conference, I think he touched on some of this stuff about the Facebook image and how uh, you take a picture of yourself. Uh, How many of you know if we were videoing this, I would would cut out the part of the video where I hit my head on a a cross? How many of you know I would do that? You see, we're going to present to the world a perfect scenario. The truth of the matter is, the sound system didn't work right. The preacher bumped his head and almost tripped coming up the stairs. You know, all this stuff. That's the truth of the matter. We don't want anybody to know that stuff. And so we live in an Instagram, Facebook world where we sit and take time to take 15, 20 different pictures until the right one makes us all look happy, and that's the one we present. Look how happy we are. And Simon Sinek says, the truth of the matter is, while we put out a picture that makes us look so happy, the truth is we are depressed. And so what we end up with is a generation... And I believe it has trickled beyond just the millennials. I walked into a restaurant one day with my wife, and I was brokenhearted because I watched a grand, two, two grandparents with their, with their I think it was it one or two grandkids, I forget, I think it was one grandchild. Uh, she looked to be about 12 or 13 years old, and they obviously had their grandchild for the day. And, uh, and they sat down in the restaurant, and my wife and I were there having breakfast, some of the best pancakes you ever ate little plug for flapjacks up in New Hampshire, but blueberry pancakes with real maple syrup. <laughs> and these two grandparents about my wife and I's my age were sitting there eating breakfast with their 13-year-old granddaughter, and that 13-year-old granddaughter sat there that whole time on her phone, texting, watching video. I don't know what she was doing. No communication, no interaction. The look on the grandparents' face was one of depression. And uh, I I wish I could sit them down for a moment because, God forbid, one of our grandkids pulls their phone out when they're out to breakfast with you and me. (laughs) And not that we would need to because I thank God for children of ours who are raising their children, tell them, put that thing away. 
You got this much time to do it, and then you stop doing it, but it's a dopamine effect. And so what they do is they'll put up this image on Facebook, and then they get this surge of energy because somebody liked their picture. It makes them feel good, and so they try to put up a better image. And they run back during the day to see how many likes they got because the likes is what makes them feel good. I'm here to tell you there is a hunger in the soul of everyone that breathes, and there is only one thing that can truly satisfy it. It is the God who spoke us and breathed us into existence and breathed the breath of life into us, and there is no like on Facebook that will ever take his place. There is no like on Instagram that will ever be as good as he is. Hallelujah. But we live in a generation that has trickled into all of society that is self-absorbed, self-seeking, pleasure-seeking people who have a hard time with a Christian message that is one of self-denial. That's what the Christian message is. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. We have a hard time with a message like that, and I think that's why uh, I believe that that's why Church attendance is starting to dwindle a little bit because we are so self-absorbed. We're looking for the dynamic speaker that we can walk into and tell us how great we are and how good we are, all about our potential and how smart we are. You can conquer the world and you, you can have anything you want. Let me tell you something. You can't have heaven until you deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Him. And so what does it matter if we gain the whole world and lose our soul? Praise God. We're dealing with a generation, and it's not just millennials again. I want to mix, I talked about millennials, but this stuff has filtered into all of society that wants instant gratification. I've watched people come to church. I've watched people's lives get messed up. I've watched them walk into the house of God because somebody talked to them out there and said, Jesus is your answer. Jesus can fix your problems. Jesus can straighten out your life. And they walk in and they're giving him about 10 minutes to get the job done. (laughs) Come on now. You said if I go to church, Jesus will fix my marriage. I went back home and she's still mad at me. (laughs) I better be careful. I'm going to (laughs) be... I don't want to get too personal... I know nothing about anything, so if I say something, it was just the Holy Ghost. You told me if I came to church, Jesus would deliver me from my drugs. You told me if I came to church, He'd put my family back together. You told me if I came to church, He'd bring my children back home. He'd deliver my son. He would do. You told me if I served Him, this is what He would do for me. We are an instant gratification society. We want what we want, and we want it right now. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus does not work that way. His word says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what he will reap. Now, how many of you know you don't go out into your field in the early spring and sow your seed and wake up tomorrow morning and there's your crop? Huh? You got to sow the seed. You got to water the seed. You got to let the sun shine on the seed. You got to shoo the birds away from the seed. 
you got to keep the moles out of the field. You got to you got to make sure everything stays right because you know if I keep at it, there's going to be a crop. You see, we want our crop tomorrow morning. You got to sow and wait to reap. And if you can't wait, you won't get it. Preacher, what in the world does this have to do with Easter? What was my opening verse anyway? Oh, yeah, you got to buy the whole field. (laughs) You see, here's the deal. In this field called heaven, there's a lot of things we don't like. We don't like the waiting. Huh? We don't like the sacrifice. We don't like to having to come to a prayer meeting. We don't like the service if it takes too long or the music's too loud. And it wasn't. I'm not implying anything. It just might be to some people. If you turn it down, then it's too soft for some people. Ain't nothing going to make all of you all happy at the same time. Huh? Just pull out of what you like and leave the rest. Don't let somebody else like the rest, all right? That's the way we ought to handle church. Well, I don't like they do that. I'm not going back there. I don't like the way they do that. Yeah, but do you like anything at all? <laughs> then come for that. We're talking about a treasure in a field. And there ain't, there's a lot of stuff in this field I don't like. How many of you have been through the field and end up getting prickers caught in your pant legs? Huh? But what about that pearl that's in the middle of the field? What about that treasure that's in the middle? i got to get this whole field to get that treasure. I'm here to tell you, the treasure is worth any price you pay, any difficulty you come upon, any hardship that is also in the field. The treasure is worth it. This instant gratification society we live in, these, uh, this, I want it now, I want it right now. Listen to me, you're not going to get some things right now. Listen to what Paul said. Paul was, how many of you know Apostle Paul was in the kingdom? Listen to what he said about his field, because there was more to the kingdom than just the glory. We call him the great Apostle Paul. Here's what the great Apostle Paul said about his experience being in this field of the kingdom of God. He said this, I received a thorn in my flesh. Anybody ever had a physical thorn in your flesh? I have. That's pretty painful. Huh? I got to get this thorn out of my flesh. So Paul said the only one thing he could do is, he said, I got a thorn in my flesh. The messenger of Satan came to buffet me. And he came to buffet me lest I be exalted above measure. See, sometimes we get too much going our way. We start thinking we're something. And we forget that it's all about Jesus. He said this. He said, concerning this thorn in my flesh, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. See, now, this instant gratification generation shouldn't plead more than once. I want it. I want it now. I asked for it. Where is it? He didn't give it to me. I'm going down the next. I'm going down the road to the next cure. I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me, and this is what He said to me. <clears throat> he said, "My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. You don't need the thorn taken out. You just need me. I give you the strength to go through it." Huh? What if the Lord said that to you? 
You don't need me to take this problem away. You just need to trust me. I'm all you need. No, we're running off looking for another answer because that doesn't fit our mindset. I'm telling you, there's more in the field than just the treasure, and you got to buy the whole field. Paul said that the Lord spoke to him and said, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness, and therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake, because when I'm weak, I am strong in the Lord. Now we have, listen, I want nothing more than this church to be filled. I want nothing more than this place to be packed to where they're starting to fill up the balcony. Nothing would make me happier than to see, but not just for the sake of having a full church. Huh? I could offer, I could, I could offer, I could offer free hot dogs and pack this building out. What good is it? But you see, that's what a lot of churches have gone to in our generation. Because they're trying to meet the needs of the generation rather than helping the generation understand what serving God is really like. And so what many of our churches have done is they have taken the church house and they have turned it in and they have brought the fog machines in and they have brought strobe lights in and they've turned the lights down and the young people come flocking and they feel like it's a great time and we went to church tonight and oh man, did that band sing and the lights were flashing and the fog was going, it was so exciting and they went home just as empty as they came in. And in case you haven't noticed, and if I'm wrong, God correct me, but I'm not bringing fog machines in, and I'm not bringing strobe lights in. I got a feeling what we really need is someone to preach the truth straight and narrow and just tell how it is. You got to buy the whole field. Everything is not going to be perfect. Your life is not going to be perfect. It will be one day, but not, let's, let's not expect this life to be heaven. I'm living for that day. And if something goes wrong here, it doesn't deter me because I've still got a heavenly home that I'm going to one day be at. You've got to live for that life, not this one. You've got to buy the whole field. Praise God. Someone needs to tell this generation it's heaven or hell. And the cost is secondary to the reward. How much is it going to cost me? Who cares? The treasure that's in this field is so worth it. There's no price not worth paying. The Bible tells us to buy the truth and don't sell it. Buy the truth and don't sell it. This generation needs to be told, spiritually speaking, there is no reward for last place. Someone needs to preach a message that states there is no better life than the one that ends with hearing Jesus say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy. There's no better life than the one that ends that way.
Oh, but I had all the riches, and I had all the cars, and I had all the houses, and the vacation homes. But did it end hearing Jesus say, well done? Because I don't care what this life is like, if it ends like that, you've got the best life now. But it is Easter. It is Easter. And so I do want to talk about the resurrection. Because there's another angle I want to look at this story at from just for, just for a moment. The Bible says, again, I want to reread it. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. What if the treasure is not heaven? What if the man searching for the treasure and finding that field is not you? What if it's just the opposite? What if the man who found the field with a treasure in it was Jesus? And what if the field with the treasure in it was you? And Jesus looked at you and he said, I got to get that field. I got to have that treasure. You, you are the treasure. And Jesus was the merchant man who spotted something beautiful, something good deep down inside of you. And he said, I will, buy, I will sell everything I have to purchase you. He sold everything when he went to Calvary. He gave it all. He sacrificed everything because he wanted you. But guess what he gets with you? The whole field. How many of you know what grows in your field? You got weeds growing. You got bramble bushes growing. You got thorns. You got, there's probably some venomous vipers crawling around in your field. Come on now, it's not a nice field. Your life is not a nice field. Your life is messed up. Oh, not me, preacher. Yeah, you. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All. Yeah, you. And I've been preaching this a lot lately, and I've got to hit it one more time because we have seen people, I've seen people over my years who have said to me, I invite them to church. I've got to get my life straightened out first. I, 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 I can't come to church. I can't serve God the way I am right now. And I'm like, what's the matter with you? You don't need to get fixed first to come to church. He's, really, he's willing and ready to buy your entire field. He knows there's a lot of imperfections in that field. 
He knows where every thorn bush is. He knows where every snake is crawling. He knows where every weed is growing. And he said, I want that whole field because in it is you. You are in it. And you are in it. And I want you. And I will buy all of your mess. I will take all of your sin. I will take all of your brokenness. Come unto me, you who are laboring and heavy laden. I will give you rest. I want to buy you. That's the God I serve. Jesus, help us to understand. When I walked into this place, my daughter already mentioned what I was like. An 18-year-old kid walking in with a messed up life, and I'm so thankful, Vinny, back in those days, people like you took me in. Vinny, you were so nice to me. I still remember you from way back then because you were one of the kindest people to me. When I walked through the doors, I stood with my long hair and smelling and stunk, and he was kind to me. Why? Because he knew he served a God that would buy my whole field and take me in because of the price and the prize that was deep inside. He loves you just the way you are just the way you are. I've got to fix myself up first. No, you don't. He already knows what's in your. You can't deceive him. He knows what's in your field. Oh, Lord, I'm not even going to pray today. I'm not worthy. He already knows what's in your field. He bought you. He went to Calvary to buy you with all. Don't hide from him. Don't deny all the problems. Don't try to make believe you got to get this stuff fixed up so that you can come to the house of God. No, 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 no. You know, there's one uh, verse of Scripture. I don't usually disagree with the Word of God. Today I'm going to disagree with the Word of God. Don't get up and walk out on me. Hear me through. If you're listening to this on a podcast, don't shut it off yet. But I disagree with there's a verse of Scripture. I disagree. Well, actually, it's not. It's a verse of Scripture, but it's not. It's not Jesus. It's the apostle. I actually have a. I have an argument with the apostle Paul. I have a disagreement with the apostle. Me and the apostle Paul disagree on something. I think he's wrong. And I think I can make a case to prove that I'm correct. Well, you should see the looks on some of your faces. <laughs> Do I have your attention now? Listen to what the Apostle Paul said. You tell me if he's right, because I think I, 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 I'm convinced he's not right. 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptance, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. We agree, but we don't agree with that last part of who I am, the chief. You see, because I think I'm the chief. Paul said, Jesus came to save sinners, and I'm the chief sinner. Sorry, Paul. I know me. You didn't know me. I think I'm the chief sinner. Maybe you disagree with me. Maybe you think you're the chief sinner. I guess not. Maybe you do think it's me. (laughs) The apostle Paul was saying here, he knows what's in my field. And he purchased me with all of the mess. Don't you worry about the mess. He'll fix that up. Just take a look at me. I ain't the same kid I was when I walked in. He fixed me up here. and He ain't done yet. 
He's, if you know me the way I know me, he's still got a long way to go. He'll be working on me till I finally get to heaven. Amen. My only hope is that I'm getting a glorified body over there. <laughs> That's my only hope. <laughs> I don't see it happening in this life. And what I'm trying to say is this, is neither does Jesus see it happening in this life. He keeps working on me. He keeps cultivating the ground. He keeps pulling up weeds when He finds them. He keeps tilling the earth. He keeps making the field better. And just as soon as He pulls up a weed, I'm over here letting another one grow. Does it feel like that sometimes or is it just me? About the time He's cultivating over here, I'm over here messing things up on this side. And what does Jesus do? This is my field. Now I'm just going to go over here and work over here a little bit. You see, because I didn't have to get things right first. I didn't have to clean the field up so that He would buy me. He went to Calvary when this field was filled with weeds. And He said, I love you so much, the you, that thing that's deep down in… There's a pearl. There's a, je- there's a jewel There's a treasure in every single one of you that Jesus sees. The world may not see it. The boss on the job may not see it. God forbid, but sometimes parents don't even see it. But Jesus sees the treasure in you. And He purchased the whole field to get your treasure. That's how valuable you are to Him. In Colossians chapter 1, the Bible says, He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, and He transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Speaking of the dear Son, Jesus, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. He purchased you. He purchased you. Colossians chapter 2 tells us that you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. And then God made you alive with Christ where He forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and He took it away by doing what? He nailed it to the cross. He took that field and He nailed it to the cross. And he said, there's something good in you, and that's what I purchased. That's what I went to Calvary for, for that something good in you. There is no greater love, John wrote, quoting Jesus, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And then he said, you are my friends. Not just the good ones. Not just the ones that have it all together. Not just the ones whose kids are doing everything right. Whose kids are A students on their own. Not just them. You are his friend. And I close by quoting the words to an old song that says this. Who am I? that a king 
would bleed and die for? Who am I that he would pray, not my will thine for? The answer I may never know, why he would ever love me so, that to an old rugged cross he'd go, for who am I? Say that with me. Who am I? Who am I? Say it one more time. Who am I? A depressed, a discouraged, a broken down society, a broken down generation. Who are we? And yet Jesus looked at this generation and said, I will die to purchase them. You are valuable to him. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Ministries podcast. If this message touched you, please make sure to subscribe for more sermons from Pastor Frank and the ministry team here at Maranatha, as well as follow us on our social media platforms. We are located in Schenectady, New York, and if you are in the area, we invite you to join us during our weekly Sunday service starting at 1030 a.m. We look forward to you joining us again next week for another anointed message. Thank you and God bless.